3, Matthew chapter number 3, we're going to continue another week of um, our series on overcoming. I don't know uh, if, if we'll continue with that next week or not. I've uh, not got that far ahead in my study, but um, I know tonight we'll continue. Uh, and I want, I, want to, um, I want to be a help to us. These, all of these topics that we deal with, they are um, just common, common things that we as uh, human beings, we deal with. We, we, um, not all of us will deal with um, every single subject, but I'm praying that there's at least something that you can pull uh, out of each of these weeks. I, I know as long as we're using God's Word, uh, we can let Him work, and I um, just want to uh, just be clear with that. And uh, You ever you heard the story of the um, wife? She was waiting and waiting and waiting for her husband to come home, and um, he was just late. She finally called him and said, where have you been? And he said, um, you remember 10 years ago when we were in that little jewelry shop and that really nice diamond necklace that you liked and, and uh, I just didn't have the money to buy it at that time? And she says, I remember that. And he said, um, you remember what I told you that one day, one day I'm going to have the money and I'm going to go to that shop and I'm going to buy you that diamond necklace. And she started crying. She said, oh, I remember that. I remember that so much. Why? I'm so sorry for being upset with you. He said, well, I'm next door at the gun shop. You'll get that later. No misunderstandings of what we're wanting to accomplish here tonight. We want to we look at something on uh, the subject of doubt, overcoming, overcoming doubt. How many of you have you've ever doubted in your life? How many of you ever wondered, God, why? Why? You, you're not critical. You're not complaining. You sincerely, from your heart, you say, God, why? Why, why, why allow this? Why? If you love me, if you're God, Why? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever said to God, do you care? Do you, do you know where I'm at, and do you care where I'm at? And maybe you've even gone a step further, and you've said, I don't think he does. I, I doubt that he does. I want to look at the thought tonight, this topic of overcoming as we continue this series. We're going to look at overcoming, overcoming doubt. John the Baptist, one of the just a fantastic uh, um, portion of Scripture. I want you to think about this. Here's John the Baptist. He is, he's a forerunner for Christ. What's, what was the purpose of John the Baptist's life? What was his purpose? Somebody, just really not a trick question. What was the purpose? He was preparing the way. He was a forerunner of Christ. He was going to preach and prepare the way so that Christ could come. He was preparing Israel for the Messiah. And the Bible says in verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. We, um, we leave in just a, a few days, not, not long, a couple weeks, I guess, um, the 22nd of this month, we leave for Israel. And we're going to go to the Jordan River. I don't know if it's the exact location where Jesus was baptized or not, but I'm really excited 
to get to this place and see the Jordan River. The excitement that happened there. The Bible says in verse 14, but John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And so John in verse 14 is recognizing that there's something special about this man, Jesus. He's realizing that Jesus should be baptizing him, not the other way around. And so he understands who this, who this man is. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be not so now, for thus it becometh of us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, then he suffered him. And verse 16 tells us that Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, and lighted upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, think about this situation for John. John is in the water, baptizes Jesus. As soon as Jesus comes up out of the water, the Bible says, the heavens open. The, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit descends upon him, uh, the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus like a dove, and then there's a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. Do you think at that moment that John had any doubt of who Jesus was? He recognized it was Jesus, you should be baptizing me, and then how many of you, if a, if a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved, how many of you would question that voice? You'd, you'd say, this has got to be the Messiah. This has got to be Jesus. I mean, heaven, heaven, God is saying, this is my beloved son. And so at this moment, I want you to see this. You, you can't miss this. At this moment in the gospel record, we see that John is trusting that this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. He's believing in Jesus. He has no doubt this is the one that he's preached. This is the one that he has, has, has uh, come before and announced the Messiah now is here. He hears from heaven, this is my beloved son. How many of you would love to hear from heaven on some specific matter in your life, wouldn't you? Have you, have you ever thought, I don't know what to do here? It, it'd be sure would be nice if God would just, if he'd just say it, and if I could hear it from heaven, then... I would have no doubt this is what God wants. John believes. Why would you not? With this experience that we just read here, anyone would believe. When you're a part of the events of this Jordan River experience, you believe. And, and, and if, if we could all stay at this Jordan River moment life, wouldn't life be a lot easier? I mean, if John could just stay there... Because I want you to understand something. We won't take the time to go through and read all this, but life got really difficult for Jesus and John after this moment. Here's Jesus. All those that are there hear God say, this is my beloved son. They're going to doubt Christ. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're, they're going to fight him. They're going to seek to kill him. They're, they're, there's going to be some that will lie about him. There's going to be the cross now that Jesus is going to face. The moment for Jesus, there in the water, after being baptized, being recognized as his Father, the Spirit of God descending upon him, must have been a wonderful time for Jesus and John as well. Because John's not going to, uh, life's not going to get any easier for John. Matter of fact, life gets very hard for John after this. 
Jesus goes into the wilderness is tempted by Satan for uh, uh, that day, the 40 days of fasting, and, and Satan will now begin to tempt him. John is going to preach, and, and uh, uh, Philip, uh, the, the brother of Herod, Herod takes Philip's wife Herodias, John preaches that it's sin, and Herod gets mad, Herodias gets even more upset, and they imprison John, and John's going to be beheaded for preaching the gospel, for preaching truth for preaching righteousness. We see Christ. We hear from heaven. The, the Jordan River experience takes all questions and all doubt out of our mind. This is Christ. And then life happens. Life gets in the way. Life gets in the way of these moments where we feel like we have no doubt. We feel like we're secure. We feel like life is wonderful. And then all of a sudden, situations like what happened with Jesus and John, situations come into our life. We can't stay there. Jesus moved on with his ministry, and so did John. But I want you to see this evening that this event was a pivotal point for John. Very pivotal point. And when change comes and our lives take on a new level of faith, this becomes a pivotal place for us as well. What I mean by that is this, when we grow in our walk with the Lord, as we take and live by faith, there's going to be times that when it seems like we're just, we hear from God in our prayer closets, it seems like he's speaking to us, it seems like there's no doubt, it seems like everything in life is going well, it, it, it just seems like my faith is strong, it seems like there's not a doubt in the world there's going to be a time that God is going to use to increase your faith, and it may, it may put doubt in your mind and in your heart. I don't know. I, I, I know that murmuring and complaining is sin. The Bible's very clear with that. I, I know that some of the other things that we talked about over this series, I know when God says something is sin, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't find, I can't go to the Scripture. Now, I know unbelief Unbelief is sin. But what we're going to talk about tonight is when you're in a situation and you're just not sure. What do I do? How do I overcome doubt? How do I know I'm making the right decision? How do I know that the presence of God is there? How do I know that, that I'm, I'm walking with him and he cares for me? How do we know these things? I would say this, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about fear, we talked about negativity, and tonight we talked about, we will talk about this subject of doubt. I believe this, these are probably the three, three out of the seven weeks that we're looking at, that I believe that all of us, at some point in our life, we can, we can connect with. Not everybody can say that I've, I, I, I'm depressed or discouraged or in despair. Not everybody's battling in their marriage. Not everybody's battling with an addiction. But the reality is the majority of us, if not all of us, we've been in a place in our life where we've doubted. Are we sure? Is, does God care? And what you believe is put to the test. We've all been in a place by what we've read in Scripture is put to the test, and what you feel is put to the test. What you fully embrace now becomes a question in your mind. You once said, there is no doubt at all. 
There is no way possible that I would doubt his love for me, his care for me. And now there may be a situation in your life that you say, I'm not sure anymore. I don't know. You have doubt. And you might wonder this, is my faith real? You might wonder, does God care? Because if he did, why, why am I here? There was, <clears throat> it was um, 11, 11 years ago, and, and I just, uh, the end of September, so just a few days ago, was the anniversary of my, my father's death. And I'll just be honest with you tonight, there was a time in my life where I said, God, why? There's a lot of bad people living in this world doing bad things. A lot. How many of you know any bad people? Huh? As long as the person next to you isn't the one you're thinking of. And my dad was 55 years old, pastoring a church for his entire adult life. That's all he's done. He graduated from Bible college in the 70s and immediately went to New Jersey and started a church and then came back to Michigan and started a church and then, and then uh, moved to Wyoming and started a church and back to Michigan and started a church and then moved up to the Pelston, which is just below Mackinac in, in Michigan and started a church and, and, and his entire life starting churches, serving the Lord. In 1995, I believe it was, on Father's Day, no, 1994, on, on Father's Day Sunday, um, he was, um, uh, was candidating at a church, and he'd always been a part of church plants, but now, um, after all his kids were out of the house, he decides he wants to settle down, and um, he takes this church, it's just a small little church with, with no, really nobody there, just a building, and it was dead, it was, they were ready to close up. And so he takes this church, and he's pastoring this church, and the church begins to grow, and things begin to happen, and, and life is in the church, and, and he's there for several years, and then at age 55, gone. And, and, and I said to God, why? I had this conversation with the Lord, why? This makes no sense to me. I had, I had a hard time for a period of time in my life, believing that God was a good God. Because it didn't make sense. I didn't understand what he's doing. And in reality, I still don't understand. I still don't have answers. Why, why would you do this? And, and so my dad dies in September, and we have his funeral, and, and uh, so October rolls around, and then November rolls around, and, and no. Uh, Thanksgiving is on Thursday, and my mom calls me on the Tuesday night. So my dad dies. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving, first Thanksgiving comes around. She calls me on Tuesday night of Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, and she's in tears. And I, I just figured she's upset about dad and Thanksgiving, and she says, my house was just broken into. Never been broken into in her, ever. And she said, they kicked in the back door, and I said, mom, you know, what did they take? She said, they took your dad's wedding ring, they took your dad's wallet, and in there was his license, and everything that belonged to your dad, they took. And we're still dealing with why, and I remember hanging up the phone, and I said, God, you're not good to my family. You're not. 
this isn't fair. Why would you put somebody through the, um, the, the, the pain of death and then do this to her as well? You don't care about my mom. I said that to God. I'm not saying that I'm proud. I'm not beating my chest saying I stood up to God. I'm, I'm just simply saying to you, there was a time in my life where I, I didn't doubt God. I just doubted he loved my parents, my mom. I, I doubted, why would you do this? I don't know if you have a similar story. I don't know if you've had circumstances in your life where you've said, God, why? Why? You have doubt. You wonder, does God care? You wonder, can I trust his word? You wonder, does his word apply to my situation? Or is this, like, are these verses for someone else, for some situation, because they just don't seem to ever apply to me in my situation? I feel distant from God. And I want you to know this. Even the most mature Christians have doubts. Even the most mature Christians say sometimes to God, Why? I don't understand. Genesis chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? Genesis chapter 3. You probably know already where I'm going. Beautiful creation. Adam and Eve. In the garden. Fellowshipping with God. I mean, things don't get any better for Adam and Eve than right here in the garden, everything is taken care of, there is no sin, there's fellowship with God, and Satan comes in, and I want you to see something here, that Satan desires you to doubt. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, in verse number one, which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. He's asking the woman, he's asking Eve, did God say this? And, and the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. She hasn't given in to this temptation yet. She's not doubting anything yet. Satan asks her a question, and her response is, Oh, this is what God said. And this is where Satan then plants that seed of doubt. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. What God said to you doesn't apply. You can't trust him. He's planting it seeded out. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit. She doubted what God said. God said, don't do it, because when you do it, you're going to die. You're going to surely die. And Satan begins to plant that seed. He wants you to live in a place where God's word is not sufficient. He wants you to live in a place where God's word is not enough. That's where Satan desires you and I to live, where we're doubting God, we're doubting his word, we're doubting his goodness, we're doubting his love, we're doubting his care. That's, that's exactly where Satan wants you to be. But all we have is God's word. That's where we get our strength from. That's where we understand God. That's where we draw from. All we have is the Word of God. 
Don't depend. Please mark this in your heart. Don't depend on your feelings. Trust his word. When you come to a place of doubt, you cannot depend upon your feelings. You must trust his word because your feelings will betray you. I, I, I honestly, for, those, for a period of time in my life, I honestly thought God just doesn't care. Listen, I was, I was in the ministry full time. I, I, I don't believe at all that I was backslidden. I, I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I just didn't understand. God, what are you doing? Why? I mean, isn't there somebody else that deserves this? Don't depend on your feelings. Trust his word. Your feelings betray you. Trust his word. Doubt causes unbelief. Trust his word. I wonder tonight, I'll ask you this question. Have you ever doubted? Has anybody ever doubted? Just help me so I don't think I'm the only one up here. <laughs> you ever doubted? Yeah. All right, what causes doubt? I want you to write these things down. What causes, what causes doubt in our hearts and in our minds? Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be in a lot of scripture. Some of this you probably aren't going to be able to keep up with. And so what I would ask you to do is write those scripture references down. We're just going to be in a ton of scripture tonight. Right? And what I did is I just wrote the verses down. Because it would be all night that we'd be here if we had to turn to every one of these. And so I'll give you the reference, I'll read it, you mark it down, you go back and you study these things, especially when we get into how to overcome doubt. Number one, what causes doubt? I want you to see in Luke chapter number seven, remember John, he hears from heaven. What did he hear from heaven? Not a trick question, what did he hear? Say it nice and loud. This is my beloved son. He hears from heaven. Do you think that John had any doubt at that moment? Not a single bit. He knew who this was. Matter of fact, it's the same John the Baptist, if you remember scripture, when, when Mary walked into her cousin Elizabeth's house, and, and Elizabeth was, was, was with child with, with John the Baptist, and Mary now had the Holy Spirit, the child that, that was conceived of the Holy Spirit inside of her, and when she walked into that house, what happened to John the Baptist? What does the Bible say he did in Elizabeth's stomach at the moment when John, uh, Mary walked in? He jumped around. I mean, you, it makes me think that like, it, it, like you could see legs and arms and, and hands coming out of her stomach. That, he was excited. Why? He sensed the Spirit of God was there. He knew who this was. This same John, now in Luke chapter number 7, look with me in verse number 18. The Bible says, and the disciples of John showed him all these things. What things? He, they said, this is this Jesus. This is what he's doing. He's healing people. Boy, the people that are blind, they get their eyesight back. Those that are deaf are, are hearing. They're crippled. They're walking. This Jesus, he's, he's doing everything. The disciples of John showed him all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying this, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? John? You now are asking, is this the one that promised to come? 
or should we look for another? You know what he's saying? Are we wasting our time? He was so sure, and now there is what? Doubt. I want you to write this down. Number one, what causes doubt? Loneliness and isolation can cause doubt. Loneliness in isolation. Where's John at right now? He's in prison. John's by himself. John's not seeing everything that's taking place. John now is by himself. He's isolated. He's lonely. He's in a prison cell. He's at a place where he needs to know, is everything that I believed, is it real? Or have I wasted my time? Listen, when you get to a place in life where you're lonely and you feel isolated, that is a time that causes doubt. You begin to look at what, what you once thought was truth, what you once knew as fact, and now you begin to say, is this real? I want you to write this down. Number two, what causes doubt? Fear of death or defeat? Fear of death or defeat causes one to doubt. In 1 Kings chapter number 18, you don't have to turn here. Let me just tell you this story. Write it down in your notes. Go back and you study this story out. In 1 Kings chapter number 18 was a wonderful chapter. You know what happens in 1 Kings 18? God comes down and fire consumes the altar. Elijah is all by himself, and there's all these other uh, prophets of Baal, and they're cutting themselves, and, and they're, they're on the altar begging Baal to bring fire down, and nothing happens. And here Elijah says, pour, pour these uh, 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 um, water all over this sacrifice, and, and 12 barrels of water, and, and pour it all over. Wet this sacrifice really, really good. And God comes down, and he burns up that sacrifice. He consumes the water, and Elijah sees the presence of God. He feels what, um, uh, 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 the power of God, and God kills, and those, those prophets of Baal are, are killed that day, and Elijah sees exactly the power of God. Do you think Elijah doubted who God was and the power of God? No. The very last verse, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number six, uh, 46, says this, the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. If the hand of the Lord is upon you, wouldn't you know it? You'd know it. That's, that's, that's exactly what's happening with Elijah. God's hand is upon him. He sees the power of God. The very next verse, chapter number 19, verse 1 and 2, uh, 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 Ahab goes and tells um, his wife, this is uh, Jezebel. This is what happened. And Jezebel says this, what you did to the prophets of Baal will happen to you in the next 24 hours. I'm going to come and take your life. And what does Elijah do? He stands and he says, oh no, no, the same God that destroyed the prophets of Baal are going to destroy you. The same God that fire came down from heaven is going to consume you just like that. That's not what happened. His fear of death, his fear of defeat. You know what Elijah does? He runs. He doubts that God has the power to deal with the king and the queen here in Samaria. Sometimes in our life, a fear of defeat the fear of the fear, uh, failure. It causes us to doubt God. Number three, I want you to write this down. God's timing doesn't match your timing. And it causes you to doubt. I mean, God is supposed to do what I want him to do when I want him to do it, isn't he? I mean, you think that's the way God should work. No, no, how many of you think, honestly, we're in church, you have to be honest. How many of you think that's the way God should work? I do. God, I need this, and this is what I needed. And when he doesn't, I'm like, what happened, God? 
Did you not hear me? Do you not know how bad this situation is? The reality is you're not going to convince anybody. You want God to work on your time frame. You want God to deal with your prayer life how you want him to deal with it. How many of you like it when God says no to your prayer? No. Because if I didn't need it, I wouldn't ask. Now, if I didn't need it now, I wouldn't be praying now. I want you to turn to John chapter number 11, if you would please. Luke, John, just the next book over, John chapter number 11. God's timing doesn't match your timing. It causes you to doubt. You see where do you see that? I want you to see Jesus. He hears of Lazarus' death. And, and when Jesus hears of Lazarus' death, he goes immediately, doesn't he? Mary and, and, and Martha who Jesus loves, and Lazarus, who Jesus loves, they send word to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, our brother Lazarus is dead, and Jesus stops exactly what he's doing. When he's doing it, he says, mount the donkeys, we're heading over to see Lazarus, because Lazarus is sick, and I'm going to heal him. And so we're going to get there, we're, we're going we're to ride through the night, we're going to get there, and, 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 and Lazarus is going to live. Is that what Jesus said? No. The Bible says, I want you to see this in... In verse number five, now Jesus loved Martha and his sister, and that would be Mary and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. It's interesting to me that God put that there because his actions can cause Martha and Mary to think, God, you don't love me. But before the story even starts, God makes sure it's in his word that it says that Jesus loved them. This act that Jesus is about ready to do was not because he didn't love them. And when God doesn't meet your timetable, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Look what happens in verse 6. When he had heard, there, uh, therefore, that he was sick, look what he did. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. He stayed put for two days. Look with me in verse 15 and he says this in Jesus, in verse 14, And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. God said, Jesus said this, when he heard that Lazarus is dead, he said, I'm staying here two more days. And then he says to his disciples, I'm doing this on purpose. I stayed here on purpose. I want you to see, though, I want you to see Mary's response. Mary says in verse number 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. You know what she was saying? If you just would have been here on my timetable, things would have been okay. And this is the thing. Jesus had it under control. It is okay. 
the, a miracle is going to happen, and, and he's going to call Lazarus by name, and Lazarus is going to walk out of that grave. Lazarus is dead, but Jesus was going to show his resurrecting power, but Mary doubted. She said, God, if you just would have been here when I needed you, then this outcome would have been okay. Listen to me. It causes doubt. It causes some fear. It causes you to be anxious. But I want you to know that when God works on his timetable, the outcome is always going to be right. Right isn't dependent upon when we want it. Right is dependent upon God. And so often, though, that causes doubt, like with Mary. Mary was saying this, your timing is wrong. And causes doubt. Number four, I want you to write this down. What causes doubt? Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Listen, things don't happen how you think they should happen. I got a Chloe story for you. I was in my room last night and I'm reading. And I hear Chloe begin to cry and, and she's coming toward our bedroom. I can hear her coming into our bedroom and she comes in the bedroom. She has this spoon, a wooden spoon in her hand. And she's crying. And I, I had no idea what's going on. I said, Chloe, what are you crying about? Mommy said that I have to come in here and get a spanking. I said, okay, so mom told you to come in here and get a spanking. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I said, so let me get this straight. I'm trying to say this with a, with a straight face. I said, so mommy just put the spoon in your hand and said, go see daddy, you need a spanking. That's, that's what, exactly what happened. Yeah, I said, you didn't do anything wrong. No. I said, well, okay, go get mom. And mom's going to explain to me. Okay, I'll tell you what happened, she says. Don't get mom. I said, now we're going to get to the story here. And what she was said, began to tell me, she said, Mommy thinks that I'm having a bad attitude, and I'm not. I said, why does Mommy think that you have a bad attitude? Well, because she was working with Lily, and I wanted something, and she wouldn't let me have something, and she thinks that I slammed a book down on the table, and she thinks that I slammed the doors on the cabinet. And I said, did you slam the doors on the cabinet? She says, no, they do that by themselves a lot. <laughs> I said, let me get this straight. You wanted mom to stop doing what she was doing so that she would tend to you, but mom was helping Lily. Yes. Is that bad? I said, yes. And then mom, then when she corrected you, you didn't like it. And so you had a bad attitude because mom didn't stop doing what she was doing because you wanted mom's attention. That went way over her head. She just, after that, she just kind of looked at me and just went and bent over to get her spanking. Like, all right, Dad, you got me on that. You, you, you don't get your way, and because of that, you doubt God. You, you don't get your way. Your expectations are unrealistic because God doesn't stop the world to fix what you need Him to fix. You doubt him. When God doesn't, he, well, he's helping someone else, and so he ought to equally help me. And when he doesn't, I have every right to pout. I have every right to throw a temper tantrum and doubt. He just doesn't love me as much as he loves someone else. It's unrealistic expectations, and you begin to doubt. Number five, I want you to write this down, lack of spiritual discernment. 
lack of spiritual discernment. We're in, we're in um, Luke chapter number 11. Back to the story of Luke chapter number 11. There's multiple things that God is dealing with, not just with Mary in Luke chapter 11. He's also dealing with one of his disciples. Look at, look at what his disciple says. I mean... I might have wrote, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 7, not 11, Luke chapter 7. Look what his disciple says in Luke chapter 7. In verse number 16. Forget I said that, John chapter 11. I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing here. I've already preached this message once today too. John chapter number 11. And look with me in verse number 16. Then, Tom, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Lack of spiritual discernment causes one to doubt. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus going to go and lead himself and the disciples to sudden death? No. Thomas, one of the disciples, speaks up. We're going to go and we're going to follow Jesus to our death. No, you're not. You're going to go and you're going to watch Jesus raise a man from the dead is what you're going to see. God, he, Jesus waited for two days so that you were going to see something that's going to cause you to believe in him, not doubt him. And here's old, old Thomas, a spiritual one. He's lacking spiritual discernment. He, he, he's not mature enough to see that God has a greater plan. And sometimes God is doing something in our life. And instead of us saying, God, your plan is greater than my plan. Your way is greater than my way. We lack spiritual discernment. We say, what God is doing is he's trying to kill me. He's got me here, and surely this is the end. He's got me at a place of, of just the lowest place, and there's no way out of this, and you're not mature enough to see that God had a greater plan. He was not going to lead the disciples to their death. He was going to lead them to understand that he is trustworthy, that he is powerful, that he is the resurrection, and that one day they were going to rise out of the grave and they were going to have a glorified body because of Jesus and what he is and who he is. Number six, write this down, last point here under what causes doubt. Sometimes what causes doubt is trouble that comes when you're doing the right thing. Trouble that comes and you're doing right. I won't go back to Luke, but in Luke chapter 7, you'll find the story of John the Baptist. Let me ask you this question. Where did you, where, what did John do wrong to deserve prison? Anybody? He spoke against the king. Was he preaching righteousness? So here, here John is preaching against the king, but he's preaching the law. He's preaching truth. He's preaching righteousness. And he's living a righteous life. And his life gets taken. He's thrown into jail. And his response to that is, can you make sure that this is the, the Messiah? Can you make sure this is Jesus? He begins to have doubt. And sometimes we begin to doubt 
trouble that comes when you're doing right. You wonder, if I'm doing right, then why is there wrong in my life? Have you ever doubted that way? I'm not doing anything wrong. And trouble's coming, and it causes you to doubt. And let me run through these, and we'll run quick through these and be done. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you could identify with one of those things that caused doubt? The reality is all of us can. Because doubt is in our DNA as humans. And I'm not going to beat you up on doubt. I beat myself up tonight on doubt. I use myself as an example tonight because I wanted you to see it doesn't matter who you are. There are circumstances in your life that you just say, God, why? But that's where Satan wants you to live, not God. Satan says to Eve, doubt God. Stay there. He's not trustworthy. You, you can't trust that he cares for you. You can't trust that he loves you. He's going to take us to our death. No, we've got to overcome. And I want you to write this down. Number one, in order for us to overcome doubt, we must remember past victories. Because when we get to the place where life seems so burdensome and we seem uh, like there's too many trials and we just can't see a way out, what doubt does is doubt, doubt is, is the, the, yesterday, yesterday there, um, uh, the lights went out on the entire property here during school. And, and I have a window in my office, so the lights went out, and, and um, uh, I've got glass doors, and, and, and I just looked up, and I figured, I, I figured um, either somebody turned the lights out, but then I realized my computer went off, and so I knew the electric went out, and so I look out my door, and Kim is looking at me like, oh no, what just happened? She says, I just turned my fan on, and this, I was like, it wasn't your fan, Kim, I promise. <laughs> Phones are out. My kids came home from a couple of them were in classrooms that had um, um, uh, windows, and then a couple of them were in classrooms where there are no windows. And it took a few minutes before the emergency lights kicked on, and so they were in total darkness. And sometimes when we're in a place where we begin to doubt, that's what life feels like. I can't breathe. It's like somebody just turned the electricity off and put me in a room. I'm isolated. I'm all alone. I can't breathe. I'm, I'm smothered. And that causes fear. And how do I overcome that? In those dark moments, I must remember past victory. Psalm chapter number 20. I'm going to really speed through these. And so you write these things down. Psalm 20, verse number 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Listen, when Israel got to the place, it got dark in the desert. There were no, there were no street lights in the desert. There, there was no compass, there was no roadmap, there was no Google, there was no way for them to know they were in the darkness, but they realized this, that they're not going to trust in, in, in chariots, and, and that's, what, that's what Pharaoh trusted, and remember Pharaoh, Pharaoh came after them, and he comes to the Red Sea, and he thinks he's got them, he's coming, he's riding fast on his horses, and all the chariots of Egypt are coming against Israel, and Israel is hopeless, and they're lost, but God, and that changes everything. And you might be in a place where you think that it's hopeless, and you might be in a place where you think that it's dark and it's never going to get light again. You need to remember the past victories that God has done for you.
Psalm 42, verse number 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. When I what? When I remember, Psalm 77, verse number 11, I will what? Remember the works of the Lord in a place that caused me doubt, in a place of unsurety. I will remember the works. What? What he did before. I'll remember the works of the Lord. I'll put my confidence in who he is because of what he's done. And it goes on to say, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Psalm 143, verse number 5, he says this, the psalmist, I will remember the days of old. What is he saying? I'm going to go back and I'm going to remember all the things that you've done in the past. And if you didn't fail me then, you're not going to fail me now. And he says, I will meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. You know what he's doing? He's remembering. And listen to me, if God could hang the sun with nothing, you realize that there's no hook? It's just hanging out there. The, the moon doesn't have like sticky tape on the back of it. What's holding it there? I was so amazed as I've been watching the news today of that storm that hit. How many of you saw from space the, the, the picture of that storm? And then I thought to myself, what's holding earth there? God, in his works of old, what's the psalmist saying? I'm going to muse on the works of thy hands. God, you hung the moon. And when God hangs the moon, there's no hook needed. When God hung the sun, there was no sticky tape needed. When he hung the earth, it's all hanging there. Why? By his word is what's keeping it there. And if he can hang the moon, and he can hang the sun, and he can hang the earth with nothing, he can give you a victory in anything you need in your life. Don't doubt him. Remember his past. Number two, would you write this down? Realize his promises. How do I overcome? How do I overcome this? How do I get to a place where I can overcome this doubt? Because this doubt is so dark. This, this doubt, it's so defeating. I realize God's promises in Hebrews 13:5 says this: I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I was speaking to someone this past week, and they said this to me. Boy, if God could just show me, and I said, I'm so glad you said that. He did. It's right here. We, we don't need a sign from heaven. We have His Word. His Word says this in Hebrews, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What does that word never mean? It means never. It didn't say, sometimes I might. If I'm mad at you, I will. What it says is, I will never Never means never. And God has never lied. And he's not going to start with you. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, you mark this down. The Bible says, and we know what we know. We know. Listen, know this in your deepest, darkest doubt. Know this, that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, all things, what we know. This isn't wishful thinking. This isn't let me just cross my fingers and hope God is honest. No, God says in his word, you know these things. In Psalm 91, verse number 14, the Bible says, because he hath set his love upon me. Listen, he loves you. He loves you. And Psalm 145, 20 says this, The Lord preserveth all them that love Him. He loves you, and He preserves you. That, listen, you know what that means? You'll never rot. Now, I love, I love things with preservatives. How many of you love things with preservatives? I mean, think about this. You can go to a, a, your cupboard, 
and pick out a can of Campbell's hearty soup, it's got meat in it and you don't have to refrigerate it. There's something wrong with that. Think about that. You take a steak out and you leave a steak out on your counter overnight, are you going to eat it the next day? No. Well, if you do, you, something's wrong with you. You're going to be sick. But you can take a can that's been in your cupboard for years and you can open that can and it's beef, it's meat, it came from a cow. And you can eat it. You know why? Because of preservatives. Preservatives keep something from rotting. It, 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 it keeps something from spoiling. It keeps something from going to waste. If you ever put fruit, always, it seems like my wife will buy fruit and it seems like in our house, a lot of times I'll look and that fruit will stay there. You buy Oreo cookies and those things will not last. You buy ice cream and they will not last. You buy fruit and it rots on our counter. Right now, there's about six bananas. I've been watching for about four days now. They're black. It's black. And I'm saying, it doesn't have preservatives. I'm not eating it. If you leave it there, it goes bad. God said, I'm not leaving you there. I'm not leaving you there to rot. Don't have doubt. I'm preserving you. I want you to write this down. Number three, rest in God's sovereignty. When you want to overcome doubt, rest in God's sovereignty. Job says this in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I what? Yet will I trust him. Why can I trust him? Because he's right. Because he's God. Because he knows the truth. When you get to a place where you're in doubt, where you don't know what you can trust, you need to say, God, I'm going to rest in your sovereignty. I'm going to rest. And you know who you are. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I found thee, or before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Trust in the sovereignty of God. Jeremiah 33.2 says, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it and established it. He says this, The Lord is his name. I can trust in the Lord because it is his name. Isaiah 43.1 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. So when you get to a place of doubt, how do I overcome that? Rest in the fact that you belong to God. That ought to do something to you. When you're discouraged and you're down and you're wondering, does God care? You need to know that you are a child of God. You're His. You belong to Him. You were bought with a price. You're no longer into this world. You're no longer a child of Satan. He saved you. And when He saved you, He took you and He placed you in Christ. He loves you just like He loved His own Son. Rest in His sovereignty. Psalm 95.5 says the sea is his, and he made it. His hands form the dry ground. If the sea is his, and the dry ground is his, because he made it, he made you as well. You belong to him. Rest in his sovereignty. Psalm 116.1 says this, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. How many of you know that song, I love the Lord? He heard my cry. He lifted me way up high, and he set my feet upon a solid rock. You know that song? You want me to sing it for you? I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He lifted me way up high, and he set my feet upon a solid rock. This is why I hired Matt. Just think of it, the Lord, the King, the Creator of everything. He loves me with a love 
that won't stop. That's what God thinks of you. How many of you have heard that song before? I'm sorry you heard it the first time that way. <laughs> but it's a good song. Because he loves you. He, heard, he, heard, he hears you. When he saved you, he didn't leave you in the pit. He picked you up out of that pit. Number four, write this down. I'm almost done. I'm rounding third. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. How do I overcome doubt? Immerse yourself in the Word of God. You say, why does this all have to do with God's Word? That's the only place you'll find trust. There's nothing else. Everything else will fail you. It doesn't say, I, don't, I'm not, I didn't say immerse yourself uh, in, 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 in books and, or immerse yourself in, in, in friends or immerse yourself. No, immerse yourself in the Word of God because it will never fail you when you think that it's hopeless, when you think that God doesn't care. You need to get yourself in the Word of God. You need to find Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they that love thy law. Great peace have they. You need peace then get into the Word of God. Psalm 119, 160, thy word is true from the beginning. Psalm 119, 132, order my steps in thy word. Psalm 119, 135, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Psalm 119, 140, thy word is pure. Psalm 119, 97, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you get to a place of doubt, what you need is confidence in God's word, that his word is a lamp. It's going to show you the way. It's a light unto your path. That path is dark. You don't know what to do. Let his word shine. And fifth and lastly, I want you to write this down. I'm done. You need to accept that God has a better understanding of your life than you do. How do I overcome doubt? Accept that God has a better understanding of your life than you do. How, do, how many of you love it when someone tells you who you are? You love that, right? Now, this is who you are. You're like, you don't even know me. God does. And we need to accept that He does. And we need to let his word change us. Listen, Job 31.4 says this, Doth not he see my ways Can't all count, uh, and, and count all of my steps? He sees everything you do. He's counting your steps. You're important to God. You need to accept that God has a better understanding of, for your life than you do. Psalm says, the psalmist says this, you, You've composed my path you, you, in my lying down and, and acquainted with all of my ways. You know everything about me is what he's saying. Why would you not listen to someone that knows everything about you? I love this about God. He says, the, 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 the uh, prophet in, in the Old Testament said, He knows every hair on your head. Do you realize that's something you don't even know? He knows something about you you don't even know. And you can never know. By the time you got halfway, you'd be confused and you'd have to start over. And it'd all grow back, and now you got more. Or all fall out, and then you got less. You'd never be able to keep up. God does. He knows everything about you. He knows the things about you that you don't even know. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. What is God saying? You don't understand yourself. You don't understand me. Just let me be God. Trust in me. 
Isaiah 55, 9, and I'm done with this verse. He says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. What is he saying? I want better for you than you even want for yourself. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you had your way, you'd be here. And God's not settled with you being there. He's got better for you. He knows how to get you there. Doubt will keep you from being where God wants you to be. But how do we overcome this? Accept except that God has a better understanding of your life than you do and trust Him. Father, I pray that You'd help us